I'm Bridget Stomberg. And I'm Lisa Simone, And this is Taxes for the Masses. Today's episode is on programs and practices around the world intended to make filing your tax return easier. It's that time of year again when the U.S. federal income tax deadline is rapidly approaching. In this episode, we compare and contrast programs in the U.S. intended to make filing taxes cheaper and easier to those in other developed countries. Hello, B. Hello, Lisa. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Um, that was lovely, but no, it's not. Tax season is absolutely the most wonderful time of the year. It even makes me sing. To that, all I have to say is that you need to find new and better things to celebrate. And maybe you need to find a different profession, Scrooge. It's possible. Okay, so fun fact, when the modern federal income tax was established in 1913, tax day was March 1st. The date wasn't pushed back to April 15th until 1955 when Congress basically acknowledged that doing one's taxes had gotten pretty complicated. And so taxpayers needed a little more time to complete the task. Another fun fact, this year, tax day isn't even on April 15th. No, it's not because the 15th is a Saturday and normally get pushed to Monday, but Mm -hmm. DC observes Emancipation Day on Monday, April 17th this year. So your taxes aren't actually due until April 18th this year. Uh, Another fun fact, I routinely forget to do my taxes. Um, (laughs) I was going to ask, have you done your taxes yet? No. April 15th, December 15th, doesn't matter. I don't really pay attention. Circling back to the comment about perhaps looking for another profession. It's probably a good idea. Um, Okay. How about a not so fun fact? Uh, Okay. Scrooge. Did you know that Americans spend over $11 billion outsourcing their tax prep services every year? That's a lot of money. It is. And what's really troubling about it is that low-income taxpayers who often claim the earned income tax credit spend an average of $400 each on filing fees. And if you are low income and claiming the earned income tax credit, by definition, that's money that you shouldn't be spending to prepare your taxes. Yeah, okay, so you fully reigned on my tax parade here. Uh, Well done, Stormy Bear. So today's episode is all about trying to figure out why it's so hard to file your taxes in the US, what programs there are to try to help make it easier, and what is the rest of the world doing that we might want to consider? So we know the U.S. tax system is, let's say, complex. Can we settle on that word? You could say that. We've got loads and loads of deductions and credits and not to mention even differences in calculations based on whether you're married or not or whether you have kids or not. And one of the reasons for all this complexity is that you frankly, have a lot of cooks in the kitchen. So while Congress is responsible for drafting the tax law, it's the IRS that administers the tax law and the Treasury Department is tasked with clarifying the many gray areas of the law. And then when there are disputes, the judicial branch can step in and provide their own interpretation of laws. So yes, lots of cooks in the kitchen. And even if we just look at Congress alone, so ignoring all of those other parties that you talked about, we've got two houses in Congress. Yeah. We've got lots of people trying to cater to special interests. There are a lot of parties to appease with a wide array of special provisions and carve-outs. And when you have all of that, it gets very complicated very quickly. The problem is most taxpayers are not tax experts and filling out the tax return can be pretty overwhelming. And so that's why we have such a large paid preparer industry here in the U.S. 
And if we're being honest, it's pretty impressive these days, the range of services you can get from the tax prep industry. Agreed. So on one end of the spectrum, you can basically just license the software to help you fill out your tax return based on the income you have reported to you on those forms like W-2s, 1099s, and the like. Yep. You can also pay people to do your return for you entirely. Yep. You can even pay upfront for basically what amounts to a type of insurance that will provide assistance if or when there are issues with your tax return at a future date. Mm -hmm. But those services are going to cost you a pretty penny. So it's been decades since I've paid someone else to help with my taxes, but um, I imagine it's not cheap. No. So there are also programs to try to help U.S. taxpayers, particularly those with less means, file their taxes more cheaply. And not just cheap, but free. I love free. Free is for me. Uh, So as we talked about in a previous episode, the U.S. government has long had a free file program that allows qualifying taxpayers to file their tax return for free. As we also discussed in that previous episode, uh, the program did not work so well. So um, give us a little recap since you love raining on all things fun and exciting. Yeah, I mean, life. if you're going to ask me to talk more about stuff that doesn't work, then maybe maybe you've convinced <laughs> me that this is the most wonderful time of the year. Okay, fair enough. All right, so in a nutshell, instead of developing its own free software to help users prepare their tax returns, the U.S. government outsourced the free file program to profit-seeking tax prep companies. These companies, of course, had every incentive to steer unwitting taxpayers away from free filing offerings and towards paid offerings. Exactly. And they did this in a variety of ways, from search engine optimization strategies that made the free offerings harder to find, to lots of opaque hoops that taxpayers had to jump through to even figure out if they qualified for the specific free services offered by that particular company. And it actually gets worse. Oh, good. Um, As part of its agreement with these tax prep firms, the U.S. agreed not to develop its own system to allow taxpayers to file for free. So the U.S. government really had no better option to offer taxpayers, even after the bad behaviors of these participating firms were exposed by the media. So thankfully, the IRS has been reforming the free file program. Tax prep companies are now prohibited from hiding their free products. And the IRS removed that non-compete clause, which opens the door for the government to offer its own free filing assistance if it can create such a program. Uh, In theory, yes. But I think that even if the IRS doesn't get around to doing its own program, these other things do seem like steps in the right direction. Yep. And it's worth mentioning that if you exceed the income limits or otherwise don't qualify for free tax prep services, but you're willing to still do your own taxes, (coughs) you can always do your taxes for free through the free file fillable forms, which is not at all a mouthful. And that is what I use every year. I mean, that just, that sounds fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. Way to show your enthusiasm. I think it's pretty cool. Yes. So it has all of the tax forms in a browser that you can fill out. It's easy to click a button to add a form or schedule or to pop up the instructions in another window. Um, It does some of the basic math calculations for you. And you can even e-file through the browser. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you done? Uh Uh-huh. Sorry, I was, I was, I was online shopping. You fell asleep for a moment. Sorry, Mm -hmm. I'm back. I'm back. Go ahead. Please tell us more about this. So realizing that not everybody wants to do their own taxes, like my co-host here, another program to consider is VITA or Volunteer Income Tax Assistance. So this program has been around for over 50 years and offers free tax help to qualified taxpayers. Yes. And there's that word that you keep saying, qualified. It's not for all taxpayers. No, it's not. Qualified taxpayers include those making less than $60,000 a year 
those with disabilities and those with limited English that would make understanding the tax forms and their instructions difficult. I'm gonna say impossible because I think it's already difficult if you speak English. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wanna know how you qualify for the program that is for people who just don't wanna do their tax return. Like I don't want these income limits. Like what if I just don't wanna do it? Who's gonna help me? The person you give your money to. I want it to be free. Yeah, no. If you just don't want to do it, but you have money, you can pay the money for somebody to do it. These are for people that don't have the money to pay somebody for them to do it. All right, that's fair. A third program is the Tax Counseling for the Elderly program, which you may have guessed is not for everybody. Although we're getting there. (laughs) (laughs) Soon. Soon be. (laughs) A little little over a decade and it will be free. Um, There you go. Yeah, so this program has particular expertise in issues that are really salient to that demographic, including things like the taxation of pensions and retirement. Which is pretty cool. Um, What's really cool about both VITA and the tax counseling for the elderly program is that they're administered by the IRS itself. So there are in-person locations that you can actually go to to receive assistance with your tax return, and they're overseen by IRS partners. And the quality of the service you get is pretty good because all of the volunteers are IRS certified after passing tax law training. Plus, the IRS requires a quality check of each tax return prepared by either of these organizations prior to filing. So it's a pretty good deal. Indeed it is. But all of this is assistance with one's tax return, with the responsibility of filling out the tax return still resting with the taxpayer. Taxpayers can get advice, they can get help, they can get assistance, et cetera, but they still have to take the time to do all that or fill it out themselves. And that's a fair point. Uh, According to the IRS, the average taxpayer spends about 11 hours on their taxes. And I mean, 11 hours is a pretty long time. You could get through probably like a full season of a a drama series in 11 hours. I'm not going to characterize that as a better use of your time. Yes. No. I mean, it's too much time. There's got to be a better way. And so my question for you is somebody has to have figured this out. Don't some countries have this figured out better than we do? Stay tuned to find out. Now that we've discussed the situation in the U.S., let's take a deeper dive into what some other countries do for comparison's sake. Let's level set a little bit to start. So 15 of the 30 OECD countries, which are relatively rich, developed countries, require taxpayers to file an annual personal income tax return. And as we've said, the U.S. is one of those. So only 50% require you to file a return. Say more words. Yeah, I was a little shocked by this too. So many of the rest of the countries have what's called a return-free system, meaning taxpayers don't actually have to file a return at all. I want to go to there. Okay, so hold your horses, Liz Lemon, because it's actually not as easy as it sounds. Yeah. So back in 2002, U.S. Treasury wrote a report on what the U.S. would need to do to get us to a return-free system. And step number one was to dramatically simplify the tax code. Yeah, it's not even just step number one. It's literally the title of the report that they wrote in response to this request. They were not beating around the bush when they were asked what it would take to implement a return-free system. Nope, they were not. It was just effective communication. It is. In any case, I am at least of the opinion that we've gone a little bit in the opposite direction since 2002. Okay, so 
I agree with you on the whole. I'm trying to be um, more balanced in my discussion here. And so I do want to say, just for the record, that I think President Trump and the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was trying to get us a little bit towards simplification from the individual perspective when they increased the standard deduction so much, right? Because the idea was more taxpayers were taking the standard deduction. That was at least going to simplify things on the deduction side of it. I agree with that. Yep. But I think when you look at it on the whole, you and I, and I think many people would at least agree that we haven't dramatically simplified things for personal income tax purposes since that 2002 report. Nope. After the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, the 1040 actually looks simpler. If you look at the tax return in 2017 for individuals and compare it to now, it Mm -hmm. shrunk quite a bit from 79 lines to just about 38. If you're talking about the first two pages, yes. Yes, because it also introduced (laughs) new schedules to house the information that was cut from the main form. So you might just call it all smoke and mirrors. Totally smoke and mirrors. But it looks simpler. Uh Uh-huh. So for these return-free systems to work, things actually have to be simpler, not just look simpler. Yes. And the reason is that most return-free systems rely on something called exact withholding. Under exact withholding, as you might have guessed, any employers or payers withhold the exact right amount of taxes from your check at the time of payment, so there's no need to do a true up at the end of the year to compare what was withheld during the year to your taxes due, and that's what our annual tax returns do. They calculate how much tax we owe based on all of our income, deductions, credits, et cetera, and compare that to how much we've had withheld or otherwise paid in during the year. And so the problem is that when you have to get the withholding rate exactly right, this is tricky. Yes. At least in our system. So it may seem easy when it comes to things like the compensation that you get from your employers, which is always taxed at, quote, ordinary rates. Mm -hmm. But it gets trickier when you layer on other kinds of income like dividends, capital gains, which may be subject to ordinary or preferential rates. And the rate applied to those things depends on how much ordinary income you have. Totally. And that's just on the income side of things. It gets trickier when you're talking about things like deductions, credits, all of this other stuff that goes into the law. So even if you got your income 100% right, you still might not know how much tax you owe because you haven't taken into account things that save you taxes like deductions and credits. And that one always blows my mind a little bit because so many of our biggest deductions or credits change based on whether you're married or have kids. Yep. So that's one reason why these return-free systems often tax each individual. There's no equivalent of a household or a joint tax return in many of these countries. And that itself would be a huge change to the way we currently tax folks in the U.S. Despite all this simplification of rates and brackets, deductions and credits, some taxpayers in these so-called return-free countries still end up having to file a return anyway because they deviate from the standard formula by having things like capital gains or self-employment income. So for example, when U.S. Treasury wrote its report, It cited evidence that in the UK's return-free system, still nearly a third of taxpayers had to file a return. Most of those filing taxpayers are relatively high income with uh, lots of income from their assets, including things like capital gains, like you just said. Okay, so if one third had to file, that means that two thirds of taxpayers did not have to file a return. Excellent math. And I personally am not gonna cry a river for the high asset, high income taxpayers having to file returns Because if someone's going to have to bear the time and cost of filing return, I think it should be those types of individuals. I'm not going to disagree with you there. So the problem is that the other big trigger for filing return in the UK was self-employment income, Mm. which has only increased with the gig economy and impacts a large number of taxpayers across 
the wealth and income distribution. So again, I don't think you and I are gonna get mad if it's someone with a lot of passive investment income that's having to fill out a return because things are complicated. I think we do feel a little bit bad for the people who are working 12 jobs right. to make ends meet. And that's why their return is complicated. Okay, so that's the return-free system. There's a middle ground between that system where most taxpayers do not file a return at all and the U.S. system where everyone has to file a return. And that middle ground is called a pre-populated return. This is also sometimes called a pre-filled return, a tax proposal, which sounds very romantic to me. Yes. Or a tax reconciliation program. And the whole idea is that the tax authority fills out the return for you based on all of the reports of income and deductions that it has from your employers and banks, et cetera. And all you have to do as the taxpayer is review it and submit any corrections if there are any that are needed. Denmark and other Nordic countries have been using pre-populated returns since the 80s. More recently, France, Spain, and Chile have all experimented with similar systems. A primary motivation for moving to this system is to da, 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 reduce the compliance burden on taxpayers. Which is such a nice motivation. It is. There are countries that care about that. <laughs> uh, it also helps with compliance by pre-populating the form with sources of income the taxpayer may have forgotten about. Mm -hmm. Um, for example, if they're just focusing on their employment income and they forgot about some contractor income or some dividends, right? Just the act of sending someone the form to review um, already filled out with some of these things will remind them that, oh yeah, I had this income. Also, it serves as a reminder to, to send in their return altogether, right? Because we were talking about you sometimes forget if the IRS sent you a form saying, hey, by the way, here's your return and it's due soon, you, you might not forget so easily. And not only do I forget to file it sometimes, I had a situation, I think I talked about this in a previous episode, sold my house, knew that the gain wasn't gonna be taxable, so I totally forgot to report the proceeds. If they had pre-populated that information for me, it would have saved me the hassle of getting that notice in the mail, having to explain to my husband that we weren't getting thrown in jail, et cetera, et cetera. So good for the taxpayer. There's also some reasons to believe that these systems can reduce tax administration costs as well. So they might actually be good for the tax authority because they're the ones that populate the form. So mm -hmm. all they need to verify after it's been reviewed is any changes to the liabilities. In contrast, right now, the IRS has to review all of the lines of the forms prepared by US taxpayers, making the post-filing administration of the tax system much, much more time consuming. And so I'm loving all of this. I love this idea, um, but I'm still seeing some of the same potential issues with this pre-populated return as we saw with the return-free system. Because ideally, the pre-populated return would pre-populate things correctly, mm -hmm. right? It would get most of it right, meaning it needs a lot of information about all of your sources of income and would be easier if everything were calculated on an indiv individual basis instead of on the household basis. It relies on a lot of third-party reporting by employers and banks. It doesn't seem like it's that much easier to implement than the return-free system. Yeah, so I agree with what you're saying. I think that something like this could get us only so far. If we really wanna have a big impact and make it super easy for the biggest majority of people, then I think it does come down a lot to the simplicity versus the complexity of the tax code. Which may not bode too well for the US.
I'll kick off the good because some good progress has been made in the U.S. when it comes to free filing, at least. Yep. We're making efforts to improve the current system. The Inflation Reduction Act earmarked $15 million for the IRS to study the feasibility of offering a free online filing service itself, meaning it would no longer have to rely on those for-profit corporations to give away their services for free. Which is something, as we said, they were never going to be terribly incentivized to do. No. And as we've talked about a lot on the show and you've seen in the news, the agency did receive $80 billion in increased funds over the next 10 years. So in theory, some of those funds could be used to actually develop its own free filing system. The IRS has already demonstrated its capacity to provide free tools to low-income Americans. Since 2020, the expedited filing portal has allowed over 7 million users to file a simplified tax return in order to determine eligibility for and administer payment of stimulus checks legislated by Congress during the pandemic. That seems like fantastic news. It is. And I can't help but wonder if upgrades to the IRS's system would make it more feasible for the U.S. to move to a pre-populated return. I'm thinking about all the information returns that get filed with the IRS with income and deductions. Maybe if there were enough of those, if they had all the right information and it could all be matched using taxpayer identification numbers and the IRS systems were powerful enough to do all this, then maybe just maybe we could get there. I think we're coming back to the same thing. I think we could probably get there for a lot of people, but we probably couldn't get there for everybody. And as you said at the top of the show, this isn't a new idea, right? Around the turn of the century, the Treasury was asked by Congress to opine on what it would take to move to a return-free system. And their response was that a lot of effort by Congress would be needed to simplify the tax code. Mm. So if we really want to get to a return-free system for the vast majority of Americans, that's what we're going to need to do. I'm not convinced that this issue can be solved in a meaningful way just by technology upgrades alone. That's fair. So sticking with the bad here, you have to put some probability on Congress going back on its word to fund the IRS more, as there are some who already have been very vocal about wanting to claw those funds back, as we've discussed before. I mean, we're, we're clawing back a lot of promises that have been made over time. So, you know, <laughs> yes, quite, quite possible that we might decide the IRS doesn't get autonomy over its budget. Um, so, yes, it will be interesting to see how much funding they actually end up with to work on these great ideas, which by the way, none of had to do with auditing more taxpayers, right? We're talking about helping taxpayers upfront pay what they owe. Yes. So turning to the ugly, um, it's safe to say it really drives both of us completely crazy when there are those in Congress who blame the IRS for not being able to administer a simpler tax filing program like return-free or those pre-populated returns we were talking about when the experience in a bunch of other countries and multiple agencies out there all say you need a simpler tax code to be able to do it. Uh, No, you're correct. I would say that cheap political talking points with no merit behind them do tend to drive both of us crazy. Yep. So like we said a little while ago, we want to try to be fair to Trump and say that increasing the standard deduction was a step in the right direction, but it's only a step. Mm -hmm. There are lots of other deductions, credits, exclusions, potatoes, potatoes, tomatoes, tomatoes. Right. Our current internal revenue code has over 1 million words, and that's more than the Bible, and it's more than war and peace. Also hard to fit onto a postcard, as President Trump would have liked. (laughs) When the 2018 individual tax return was released, NPR declared it not so simple and not really a postcard. Shocker. And for the record, who would want to send it in a postcard? It has your social security number, your birth date and signature, and you'd be sending that readily available through the mail for anybody to see. 
So bottom line, you can't condense a tax system as complex as ours onto a form the size of a postcard. You need Congress to simplify the laws. Truth. And we never even talked about what the picture was going to be on like a postcard. It has a pretty (laughs) picture on one side and then you've got your message on the other. Like what was going to be on the tax return postcard? It's just a picture of money. (laughs) Uncle Sam and a wad of cash. It was, yep. It's it's the Monopoly guy with a a wad of cash. Mr. Money. Yes. Yep. Well, that's all we have time for today. Be sure to join us for more tax nerdery on future episodes of Taxes for the Masses. 